So, retrospectors, what historical events are we ticking off on this week's run of Today in History? Well, Monday is the anniversary of the day Roger first publishes famous thesaurus. Then on Tuesday, we say happy birthday, Mr. Potato Head. On Wednesday, the extraordinary stories of the child soldiers who fought in the American Civil War. On Thursday, how King James changed the word of God. And on Friday, what did spam emails look like in 1978? We discuss this and more on Today in History with the retrospectors. Ten minutes every weekday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, the race-altering stewards' decision of F1 podcasts. Some people think it's great, some people think it's the end of the world. I mean, does that mean we already know that the winner's not going to win before it finishes? Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, the hilarious tantrum of F1 podcasts. I mean, for God's sake, let's just talk about it. It's just, this is stupid, everything's stupid. I didn't do anything wrong, apart from that thing I did wrong. Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, the worst experience I've had in an F1 podcast ever. Look, Alex, we're all in the same boat here, and the boys have stayed up quite late trying to edit this podcast, so, you know, enough is enough. Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, the rich energy Twitter feed of F1 podcasts. All other F1 podcasts are shit. All other drinks are shit. Everything else is shit. I am not a charlatan, and in no way is this whole company... Welcome to For Formula One's Sake. We'll start by humming a joyful tune and end by moving everyone's drinks around. Oh, I'm pole position. Yundi, lundi, 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 la. Crazy frog, crazy frog. I hate everything. I'm For Formula One's Sake reserve and test presenter Alex Goy taking a break from standing at the back of the garage and testing out the headphones. Today, from the Southwark Tavern in London Bridge, my old stomping ground, we're going to talk about the Canadian Grand Prix tantrums, controversial decisions and ranking competence that goes all the way to the top. But enough about us. Oi, oi. Hey. Let's talk instead about Ferrari managing to win a race and yet still not win it. Some very debatable stewarding decisions and a very angry Dane being told off like a naughty child. We'll touch on all that, plus hear from you, the long-suffering listener. And there'll be another round of the great for Formula One's sake fact off. That is all to come. Joining me is a motoring journalist who has sunburned arms. It's Phil Tromans. I feel it's a sad indictment that that's the, literally the most exciting thing I have to report at the moment. I went to Portugal for work, sat in the sun too long, got sunburned arms. Did you at least drive anything interesting? I drove the newly facelifted, again, Mitsubishi ASX. No then, carry on. It looks quite nice, but it's, it's, it's ten years old. I always love it when someone else is on the podcast who knows about cars. <laughs> and alongside him is a man who had a massage with a hard start. It's Terry Saunders. Okay, I have two problems with masculinity. I think I'm a pretty kind of 
hip guy, in touch with my feminine side, all of that stuff. But there are two things that I struggle with masculinity-wise, which are I can never order a half pint. Just can't do it. Is it because half pint glasses make you feel like a giant and that makes you uncomfortable? That too. Also that. I hate feeling like a giant. And also I can't order a, a mild curry. I have to go hot. I just have to. It's like a weird masculine thing. Number three, it, apparently I've learned this week, is when a massage is too hard, I can't say that's too hard. So, I mean, what, I've been going to the gym a lot, right? I'm quite crunchy, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to treat myself to a massage. I went for like a deep tissue, proper sports bastard. And um, the woman said, how hard do you want it? And I was like, well, you know, I'm a man, so I'll have it as hard as you can do it, actually. In fact, if you want to do it any harder, that's fine. And in the first couple of minutes, she was doing that kind of, her entire forearm was like in my ribcage from behind crushing me to the point that I thought I was going to actually die <laughs> and I'm obviously so I'm, I'm doing all these kind of breathing techniques to be like alright breathe in now breathe out oh god it hurts oh god it hurts and then she kind of whispers into my ear if the pressure's too much just say what do I say I go no no you can probably go a bit harder <laughs> and now I can't lean back because my back is fucking bruised <laughs> it fucking hurts Alex what the hell have you been up to and who the hell are you Hello, class. My name is Alex, and I'm a, I'm a motoring journalist. Uh, I do what Phil does. Uh, but better. Recently, I wrote a damning expose on the taste of energy drink, Rich Energy. Oh, which we love I that. Know, I know you enjoyed it so much last time, so I bought you both <laughs> another tin each. Chin-chin. Hey. Um, Looks like is, a White Bikes logo. That's weird. It's, it, it, does, it does a bit, doesn't it? There's a slight difference, but I don't think it's legally different. No, it doesn't. Yeah, you did a proper investigative journalism thing on it, didn't you? I got day drunk for money. It was great. <laughs> What have you learned about Rich Energy that you can impart to our dear listeners? If you see it in the wild, which, let's face it, is quite unlikely, though they apparently have signed a deal to sell in supermarkets in the UK. Oh. I, I don't know which ones. but I, I, Aldi. I, if you do see it, don't buy it. It's horrid. Phil quite liked it. I liked it because it tastes, to my palate, he says for legal reasons, exactly like Red Bull. I had a sip. And the next day felt quite unwell. It was as described by CEO Richard Story in an interview with Jalopnik. I was it's something like it's I, Richard Energy actually. Sorry, sorry, Richard Energy. Um, Dick I, Energy. But um, yeah, he said, "Oh, I, I, I something on the lines of I bought a a liquid, and I bought a company, and now I'm making a, a, a drink brand or something like that." And I, you know, having having drunk three cans of this stuff in the name of journalism. I agree with him, it is a liquid. <laughs> right, let's lose control under pressure and slither across the grass at Listener's Corner, where you guys have got in touch with us to vent your spleens about all things F1. Naturally, the farce in Montreal takes up almost all of the chat, but it seems like the steward's decision to give Vettel a five-second penalty has split opinion. Here's just a few comments that we got on Facebook. Kevin Barry says, it's just Vettel doing a lot of whining. He made a mistake and then he re-entered the track unsafely. Clear as day, he caused Hamilton to hit the brakes. Black and white, complete violation of the rules. Penalty was the least he could have gotten. That's I... Kevin wanting some uh, capital punishment there. <laughs> Paul Bottrill 
I get that everyone was disappointed that the race was taken away by the stewards' decision. I do not get the outrage at the decision, which seemed pretty clear-cut according to the rules. What I really do not get is the outpouring of support for the perennial arch-bottle of Vettel. He does not deserve to win if he keeps on making mistakes. But, James McNeil says, It was harsh. I would like to see anyone else do better getting an out-of-control F1 car back under control at 100 miles an hour on a patch of grass the size of an average front garden. Where's Paul stops? I'm no fan of Vettel, but that decision was rubbish. He was still fighting to regain control of the car as he slid towards the wall. Stephen Gurr said, I felt pretty bad for Vettel as he probably wasn't really in control of it. However, the entertainment that followed with his lengthy walk, topped off by swapping the number one and two boards, made it worth it. Confirmation that F1 is getting more entertaining for the fans. Well, well, the entertaining thing, let's go backwards. Let's talk about him swapping the signs over at the end. It's getting a bit wrestling, isn't it? Like, I, w I wouldn't be surprised if he went into the podium room with like a fold-up chair and started hitting Hamilton over the head with it. But everybody on the internet seems to be for Vettel. Why? Because he's not Lewis Hamilton and Lewis Hamilton's a prick. Ooh, getting straight in there with <laughs> yeah. the opinions. We're going to have letters. I really don't like him. I'll, I'll be honest, I, I wondered if we were going to fall on the same side of this argument because, yeah, I'm, I was pretty kind of like meh either way about it. I thought the whole thing was hilarious and I was literally that popcorn gif of somebody sitting there going nom, 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 this is brilliant. But... The, the argument seems to be is like, oh, he didn't deliberately get in his way and cause him to stamp on the brakes. It's like, well, if you're on the road and you slide out of control in front of somebody else, you're still going to get in trouble for it. It doesn't matter that you didn't do it deliberately. You're still out of control. You're still causing problems. You're still breaking the letter of the rules. Penalty. And they gave him the lightest one that he could possibly get. It wasn't held also by the fact that Sky <coughs> F1 had this big long feature about the 2010 or 11 Canadian Grand Prix when Jensen Button won after like 26 hours and at the last lap when Vettel bins it <laughs> and and Button goes by then like a couple of hours later oh 10 years later Vettel's gonna bid it again and the British guy's gonna go by so that doesn't help but Vettel just has a habit of binning it and he binned it there's no other argument there it is bad that a potentially exciting end of race just became a bunch of people whining on the radio and it is sad when the leader crosses the line and he hasn't won the race that it'd be better if that didn't happen but what can I mean, you do what, what, what i what i noticed about it because i watched it and watched it and watched it and re-watched it and i i almost looked at the rule book but realized i had better things to do with my time but what i noticed was that he came off the grass and could have stuck it to the left and been yes. a bit safer about it but he got off the grass and went nah, just tilted well, it to the right well this seems to be the, the what everything hinged on is did he was was he correcting oversteer as he came off the grass and over the kerb or was he steering right because he'd seen Hamilton coming so having had no grip on the grass to finding loads of grip possibly and but then, then going and well, then nailing it and going but at which point because when he came off the grass he would have gone over the kerb yeah and potentially then the back could have swung out depending on the attitude of the car as but he went in in which case he would have had to steer right to correct the oversteer but my thoughts are I don't think he did it deliberately, but regardless, he still went slewing across the track and Hamilton yeah. had to slam on the brakes because otherwise he would have crashed into him. So if that's not coming back on the track unsafely, then what is? Also, this is the same Sebastian Vettel, I believe, who deliberately steered into Hamilton at that back year race. It's like, if only there was some precedent in history where he's done exactly that. <laughs> We're going to get letters because, yeah, as you say, the internet seems to be 
absolutely outraged, wants to hang Emmanuele Pirro, who is the uh, uh, chief steward, who wasn't the only, not the only steward, but the only steward anyone would have heard of. I love Emmanuele Pirro. I'll tell you why. First Grand Prix I ever watched was the French Grand Prix in 1989. And they had a big feature of there was a bunch of new drivers doing their first race. Johnny Herbert, Jean Alesi and Emmanuele Pirro were all doing their first race the first time I watched it. So I was like, these three guys are going to be the future champions that I can love and follow. Johnny Herbert, Jean Alesi and Emmanuel. Oh, it's not really worked out very well for any of them, to be honest. I think this will run and run and that's what the race is going to be remembered for. But... Um well, under the letter of the law, I'm all right with it. My only observation is, from a purely entertaining point of view, if they wanted to go back and revisit the, uh, the rules in case this happens again, I'd have been perfectly happy if they said to Vettel, give him the place back. Because Hamilton would have got through there, give him the place, and then he can stay behind him, we can have a great race to the end, see if he can get past him again. Or a bonus round. They have to both go in the pits, get out the car, spin around with a broom in the, in the air, get back in the car, and whoever gets out of the pits first is the winner. I think a dance-off may have been fun. <laughs> Anything. We should say that it's not just us that think that the penalty was fine. Um, friend of the show with benefits, Jack Nichols, on BBC Five Live, uh, also said he felt that way. And I believe uh, friend of the show with extra benefits, Jolien Palmer, who we've always liked, uh, also said the same thing. So we are an illustrious company. To be honest, that's why I'm saying this, just to be cool. In other news... Romain Grosjean, crime fighter. Sounds unlikely, but actually, yes. Everyone's favourite hapless Swiss Frenchman was hailed a hero after confronting burglars at his home shortly after returning from Canada. According to his wife, Marion, ne'er-do-wells broke in through a window, but, she said, fortunately, nobody was hurt, and our children will actually never know of the fright we had, thanks to Romain, who didn't hesitate to jump towards them in order to stand in their way and protect his family. I mean, I've got a feeling the burglars got in and went, this place is a mess. He's like, Roman just like crashes into everything. There's stuff on the floor. And the burglars got in and went, oh, someone's already been here before us. There's nothing worth nicking. <laughs> I think the police are looking at Marcus Ericsson. That's a good callback. Do you remember? Yeah. Rich Energy News. The definitely not a money laundering operation energy drink company has made a name for itself. Not through coming up with a delicious beverage, but by being dicks on Twitter. The latest is against White Bikes, from whom they stole their logo, and TV's Chris Harris, who they randomly accused of discriminating against small British sports car companies for some weird reason. What are they playing at? I'm not a social media professional. I don't work in PR and I never have done. But even I know that the way they're carrying on on Twitter is hilarious, but also doesn't paint them in a particularly great light. Their, their Twitter account reminds me of Donald Trump because it's either them going, we're amazing, oh, we're so good, look at us, touch us, lick us, please love us, or going, this guy's an arsehole, I hate this guy, you still hate him too. Problem is, Trump has money and fame and a profile, and rich energy is a liquid. Totally, and also, there's been a lot of people going, I wonder who it is that does the social media for rich energy, what a job that is, and it's like, there's clearly no one doing social media, it's clearly the head guy himself tweeting angrily uh, I've got a theory I think it's Dietrich Mateschitz like this is how I'd really want to run the company it's like his little fantasy project good that's deep big with Tom Hanks deep <laughs> that is deep <laughs> I've done a social media for a couple of like media things what you do do is you put up a picture saying this is our latest piece of content or what would you like to see or you know communicate with the people make it a real two way thing what you don't do 
is you go to, say, the host of the UK's premier motoring television programme and have a pop. You don't do that. That's a bad idea. There was, there was a great tweet just before we started recording. Some guy had tweeted Rich Energy and gone, I like the cut of your jib. Um, if you want someone to do sales for you, I'm not going to... You know, someone just like prospecting. Rich Energy retweeted this. And then, about a couple of hours later, the guy replies going, they retweeted it, but no one's messaged me to say... <laughs> give us a job <laughs> well if, if 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 it's any consolation to poor anonymous twitter user who i can't see um when i was ordering the many many gallons of, of rich energy juice which someone on on, on twitter earlier called how uh, was it um uh poor twitch which i think is a far better <laughs> name for it my slab went missing for a week and I had no idea where it was. I had oh. no communication with the company. So I emailed their, their, like, contact us with my order number and went, dude, the fuck, where's, where's my energy piss? And their business manager replied, not sales peon number 174. Bear in mind, though, I was number 384. But the business manager is also Dick Energy himself going, oh, right, I'll deal with this. He doesn't employ anybody. He pisses in the cans, <laughs> seals them up, sends them on, and then just goes, right, I'll do every job. I'm HR. You can't fire me. What? You're firing me? I'm firing you. Fuck you. Fuck you. Anyway, I tweeted at them before we recorded saying, look, let's face it, you need to sponsor a podcast to, <laughs> to kind of help your PR. And I suggested ours because we're <laughs> too. And they've not replied yet, but I'm going to presume... He, he seems a man who's good for his word, so I'm going to presume they will reply. So if it's okay, I'd like to do the sponsor read now, if that's all right. Hi, everyone. Have you ever thought one day, do you know what? I'd quite like to feel sick tomorrow. Why don't you buy a can of rich energy? Sometimes we all need a sick day. Proudly sponsoring FF1S. Rich Energy, it's a liquid. <laughs> Speaking of shady organisations, the FIA is in the news because it's trying to sort out the deadlock between teams to agree the rule changes for 2021. What with it being only a year and a bit away and designing F1 cars, you know, being a little bit complicated, team principals and technical delegates are due to get together this week to try and make progress, which seems unlikely because why the fuck are the teams allowed to decide the rules? But... Anyway, incredibly, it seems that the FIA's plan is to delay the decision further, but the teams can't even agree to do that, with Renault keen to crack on. FIA rules say that unless the rules are decided by the end of June, then unanimous support is needed to make any changes, and that's bloody unlikely, which could then mean that the overhaul doesn't happen at all. This is classic F1. Do you remember when Liberty came in and we went, oh, thank God all those classic F1 things won't happen again. There's someone now in charge who's not a hedge fund and they are going to sort everything out and everyone's going to stop bickering and Formula One can be the sport we inexplicably love again. And here we are, a couple of years on, bickering. I know. The fact that they can't agree to delay the decision about the rules for only just over a year that they've been talking about for several years already and have got almost nowhere with, at this rate we're just going to keep with the same rules and nothing's going to change and and it'll make for great material for the podcast in a way it's a little bit like brexit isn't it everyone wants a different level of change no one can quite decide how much change they want and everyone looks like a yes. twat in the but process not that change not that change definitely not that change i know what we voted for 
I mean, it is that thing of going, right, all the teams are competitive, so they had that weird problem of going, well, I don't want to vote for this in case we're shit, except for Williams that are going, yeah, anything, just do it, anything. <laughs> change everything, just change every rule. Make it three wheels, don't care. <laughs> well, McLaren did that at the Canadian GP. <laughs> Finally, team, sad news. Robin Hurd, one of the co-founders of the March team, has died at the age of 80. He was also a former designer for McLaren and founded March in 1969 with, amongst others, Max Mosley. Works team drivers included Nicky Lauder, Chris Amon and Ronnie Peterson. And they built cars for the likes of Williams, Tyrrell and Hesketh. They went on to race as Leighton House in the early 90s but folded shortly afterwards. They might have only won two races, but they had a considerable impact in F1 over more than 20 years and had success with cars for loads of other Formula Series too. I just wanted to talk about March for a bit, really. I mean, it's sad news, but 80's not a bad, uh, a bad innings. But I, I can't think about classic F1 without thinking about March because they did some really interesting cars. That Leighton House, which I believe Adrian Newey designed, I can't remember the model name, was very sexy. It wasn't very fast, but it was very sexy. And then they had that tea tray car a years back in the 70s that's like your, your number one quirky F1 car. I got hooked on Formula 1 because of Leighton House. That first French Grand Prix in 1989 that I talked about with Johnny Herbert, Emmanuel Pirot and Jean Alesi. Opening lap, massive crash. Goudreman in the Leighton House car went spinning over the grid and I was like, this is good. So thanks, Leighton House. It's all been, all been downhill since then. <laughs> Tell us how wrong we are. Well, them, because I'm the reserve talker person. You can tweet us, them, at for F1's sake, or find us, them, on Facebook or Instagram, where we, they, are for for F1's sake. Or email us, them, at wrong at ff1s.com. However, you know it would really show us how wrong we are? That's right, punishment drinks. Nothing shows your ire like slowly poisoning us with alcohol. And if you want to do that, or if you think that beer is actually lovely, then you can buy us a pint, which we'd very much like. Terry, how do they do that? You go to ff1s.com forward slash pint 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 and buy us a pint. With all that said, we need to thank the lovely people that have got the beers in for us since the last race. Andrew Stern. I know him. Hi, Drew. Is it the same one? Yeah, yeah. Well, Cheers, it, Drew. It, it, That's it, very it, kind. I know him it, as well. It, it, Terry, it do you know him? I don't know him, but um, what a guy. Spencer Toskowski. I'm sorry if I mangled your name. It's a great name. Jonathan Friel, Andrew Thompson and Jeremy Hopwood. Jeremy Hopwood is a special mention because he tweeted us to say that he was at the Canadian Grand Prix. He drank eight pints at the track. Impressive. And then he brought us eight pints. Well, frankly, because he was pissed. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Bad decision when you're drunk. It's like, you, you know, when you go over, you buy somewhere on Amazon and it comes in the post. You know, I don't remember that. Anyway, thanks very much, Jez. Thank you, Jeremy. That's, yeah, that's very kind and maybe slightly silly of you. If you have a moral objection to alcohol or you found yourself unexpectedly short of clothing, then why not clothe yourself with FF1S brand merchandise? Maybe a t-shirt or a vest or any one of the number of useful items which will make you look super cool and help us keep making the podcast. Terry, can we have an update on the shop, please? We have sold one piece of merchandise since the last podcast, which was a version of, a long t-shirt version of the i2 didn't qualify for the Indy 500, which is, let's face it, a t-shirt that has a shelf life of about 10 minutes. Like, the idea was old by the time I uploaded the design. By the time you get this in the post, whoever bought it, 
everyone's going to be like, what, what's that mean? You're like, oh, you know, the Indy 500 Alonso. Who? What? Don't know. Anyway, well done. It'll be good for decorating in. Let's move on to the teams. Mercedes. Bottas started with his annual mid-season slump and Lewis totally locked into a controversial win. He's now more than a race win ahead in the points. So the big question is, when will he wrap up the championship? It's going to be one of those years. It's going to be like August. It's going to be all over. How many do you think he's going to win? So he's won five of seven so far. How many races are there? 21. 20. (laughs) He's won five of seven. Yep. And he's going to win 20 yep. out of 21. Yep. I think Bottas will have his win removed <laughs> by Mercedes. Team order, the most cruelest of team orders. Right at the end of the year, they'll be like, right, give that back. <laughs> he will wake up and Toto will be attached to the ceiling, looking down on him. Your win is ours now. Oh, it no. belongs to him. Bottas will just wake up in a bath of ice. <laughs> and they'll be like, we've taken the trophy. And also, Lewis wanted your kidneys. <laughs> I what mean, for? Nothing, he just wanted it. <laughs> this, this was, in theory, the race where Mercedes were probably the most vulnerable because it was a high-speed circuit and the Ferrari is very quick in a straight line. And we'll get to Ferrari in a minute, but they did look to be a little bit struggling and, and Lewis had some technical problems at the start and Bottas was all over the place in qualifying. And yet still, Hamilton, fair play to him, drove a pretty flawless race in a car that apparently wasn't as quick as Vettel and he forced Vettel into the mistake. And he's got another one. Again, but it's like, was it Bahrain that Ferrari had nailed on to win and they fucked up? This race was nailed on to win. It's funny, really, because in the Schumacher era, Ferrari were entirely to blame for a really boring period of Formula One because Schumacher won everything. And weirdly, in the Mercedes era, Ferrari are entirely to blame (laughs) for really boring racing. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I feel it's a little bit sad for Bottas. He had a run of being pretty good. Appears that's come to an end. He's, he's not Hamilton. He's fucked, no matter what I mean, uh, yeah, this is the trouble. I mean, anyone that comes in, unless they're sort of one of the very top-tier drivers, are always going to be de facto number two. Ferrari! Ferrari did really well and were nailed on for a win until their chief fuck-up officer, Sebastian Vettel, lost control and then had a hissy fit. To add to Leclerc's weirdly shit year, they never told him he could have nicked second. That was cruel. So... Vettel's got a five-second penalty and Leclerc at the last lap is like six seconds behind and nobody in Ferrari said, by the way, you can get a second here. They just went, don't tell him, we'll never find out. <laughs> so had Leclerc pushed even just a little bit for the last couple of laps, he could have nicked second. Yeah, he was on like a kind of, you know, he was like holding place because there was no point racing the last few laps and they just didn't tell him. God. Do you reckon he's going to stay? Because they have absolutely shat on him this year. And I think he's a generally, experienced notwithstanding, I think he's overall a better driver than Vettel. I think it will all depend on when Vettel quits this year or next, who they replace him with. Like, will, they, will Leclerc move into a kind of number one spot or will they get some superstar in, Hamilton, and Leclerc will just always be one of those kind of weird nearly was drivers he's like a background artist in the Muppets he's there and he does the same movements but there's nothing really going on <laughs> it was you were saying I think on Twitter Terry that, that Ferrari had done the most Ferrari thing so far this year by actually winning the race and yet still not winning the race 
we've been it's been a running joke this year where we say how are Ferrari gonna fuck up this week? And every week they do not disappoint by fucking up in new and exciting ways. It's like a it's like a marriage where you know they run out of ways to feel sexy, so they bring in like a bondage kit or something, and it's like, oh we're gonna try uh gonna try blindfolded with strawberries. Oh my god, I put a strawberry in your eye, I'm so sorry. So what do you think they're gonna try next time? They got a testicle stuck in the sex swing. We can't, we can't have to fit the barge boards full of dildos, I'm sorry. Red Bull! Red Bull did a Ferrari and left Verstappen vulnerable to drop out, which he did. Gasly did his best to still try and qualify behind Max and then drove super slow in the race to restore equilibrium. Could Max have been a contender if he'd qualified well? I mean, probably. He's been sort of doing that all season. And I don't know how many times this has happened now. It seems to happen quite a lot of late, where... If there's a golden rule in qualifying, it's get the banker lap in. Not leave it all to the last minute and then run the risk of Magnussen smashing into a wall and a red flag coming out. But can we talk about Gasly? I like Gasly. I want him to do well. He's not doing well. This is getting embarrassing. Verstappen was knocked out of qualifying and still beat him in the race. This is not going well. But there's nobody to replace him. Yeah, but you get the impression that the matches will just go do you know what we'll have an empty car <laughs> Renault Ricardo outqualified his old car and his teammate to get fourth on the grid both Renaults finished in the points and didn't synchronise engine failures like Bahrain is this the start of a comeback unlikely but they might be slightly less crap than they have been for the start of the season because they've got the might of Renault behind them which is not inconsiderable financial resources so you just, would hope it's just anyone saying the might of Renault and you think yeah, oh, it's just a hey, Clio. Rena- Hello, <laughs> Renault Clio owner. Go Gutted, fuck yourself. <laughs> love my car, which is also for sale if anybody wants you 2003. You so much you're selling 2003 it. 2003 Clio 172 Cup. I, I seem to good. remember there was a massive engine issue with it a while ago. Uh, no, no, it's really good. It's got a new engine. <laughs> At Phil Tromans, if you're interested. They're talking a big game of the French Grand Prix. They've got a big new engine. And for the first race, they weren't shit. This could be promising. This could give McLaren a bit of a scare. I'd like them to be good again, because Renault's got a decent history in F1, way back in the 80s with the turbo cars, and then obviously in the Alonso era, before Alonso went shit and stupid. I'd be keen to see them do well again, and I'd like a little bit more feist at the top of the also-ran battle. McLaren. Norris is so hot, he melted the car and has, on a personal note, one of the coolest names ever. Not the Norris bit, but Lando. Come on. Yeah. Whether they were just using chocolate for suspension or just any parts from the indie team, it's hard to say. Ooh, you're not going to have that lie, are we? Well, they, they, they went there and they did really badly at everything and then left, but still had hospitality there because it cost too much money. Lol. And we've got T-shirts to sell, Phil. Let's never forget oh, yeah. Indy 500, McLaren. Everyone's forward slash dot com slash shop slash shop slash shop dot HTTP. That, in a different order, is the uh, URL. So, it was a weird incident. We thought he'd pranged the car into the wall because the wheel was all backwards. And then it turns out he hadn't touched anything, but the car had melted. That's not a thing. Do we still? Do we yet know what's happened? I was having a quick squeeze around the internet earlier. It went on fire, Phil. The car went on fire. It did, but why did it go on fire? It's a Renault. <laughs> it was not a Renault. Oh, it is a Renault, I suppose. But <laughs> it's a Clio, Phil. How My Clio engines? has never gone on fire. And I would happily take four grand for it. Um, 
Yeah, it's a weird one. I can only presume it was some sort of weird brake issue, maybe, if the brakes had... Because everyone was struggling with generally overheating brakes, but that was particularly hot for it to catch fire and then melt the car. It was a, Yeah, it was a weird one. I've never seen that before. I've been intrigued to see the official explanation and uh, sort of hope it happens more. It wasn't quite as dramatic as, you remember a couple of seasons ago, the Toro Rosso's front wheels both broke off under braking. That was, that was, that that, was a bit more spectacular, but this was, was, this was a bit more intriguing. Racing points! Stroll actually did well after a rotten weekend by finishing in the points despite a crash and an engine failure. Perez just carried on doing Perezy things. We give Stroll a hard time. He's never got out of Q1 in his life. Um, I can't check that. Um, and he didn't get out of Q1 because he had a shit weekend. Then he finished in the points at his home race. Well done. Credit where it's due. He did have rotten luck this weekend. Yeah, weirdly, they got a, he got a brand new spanky Mercedes engine, which promptly died, I think before he'd even done his outlap, and then completely wrecked his practice. So he got then, for the race, he started pretty much at the back and had an old-spec, less powerful engine and did really well. Is this, is this the start of the Lance Stroll comeback? It's not a comeback, is it? It's a come. <laughs> <laughs> all, all over the face of Formula One. Yes. 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 Mesa said this was the worst thing that ever happened ever anywhere, including genocide and Mrs. Brown's boys. Steiner told him to shut the F up. The car was only so bad because he'd waxed the wall with it on Saturday. What a prick. I mean, what a, what a great great radio message from Steiner and they broadcast him going you stop it <laughs> stop dissing the team everyone's really hard and by the way should I just say everyone fucking hates you right now <laughs> everyone in the garage thinks you're a prick because you crashed a car because you have to go a little bit faster you ruin both of the qualifying for our team and then you moan in the race fuck you Kevin fuck you I wonder if this is all just sort of pre-publicity for the new series of Netflix Drive to Survive which if they're following Gunter Steiner around again next year is going to be brilliant can't wait I can't wait to this episode and they're following Ferrari this year as well aren't they and Mercedes this whole episode is going to be bloody epic has it got now to the point where Formula 1 is just publicity for Netflix yep it's Big Brother well, well, Roman wasn't maybe doing all that well. He did make a cocktail with the manager of the Sofitel or something, Montreal, using rich energy wow. and bits of fruit and lots and lots of ice. <laughs> <laughs> Toro Rosso. They were in the race and did quite well, but actually have no idea what happened. How would you feel? <laughs> well, Alban had an interesting start to the race because he got sandwiched, I think, between the two Saubers, lost his front wing, uh, fired some of his front wing into, is it Grosjean's car? Yeah, yeah, and Grosjean had to flick it out of the way. Yes, he got stuck in the halo. So that was quite fun. And then Alban later retired for reasons I cannot remember. I don't know if it was due to the fact that he'd lost some of his front wing, but, uh, oh, Kvyat did a really good overtake around uh, Magnussen at Turn 1 around the outside that was good Alfa Romeo Giovinazzi still hasn't scored any points and Kimi is now looking like an older driver from a bygone age slipping around in inferior cars hello PK in a Lotus Ooh. oh yep I'm doing I'm going there Kimi Raikkonen is Nelson PK in a Lotus maybe even a Benetton this is PK senior <laughs> yes uh, Giovinazzi actually uh, beat Raikkonen this weekend great oh I beat a dead guy <laughs> 
<laughs> Dead to me. <laughs> it's like when you first beat your granddad at football, isn't it? I don't know. I never had a granddad. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're really not on it. All that talk at the beginning of the team about, oh, they'll, they'll benefit from being a Ferrari, another Ferrari B team. Well, they did really well in the first few races. So it looked like, oh, they've got a weird wing and they're doing well. And, you know, Kimi Raikkonen's there. And then they've just, the last couple of races have just gone, Arr! still ahead of Williams, but Arr! right at the back ahead of Williams. Maybe they're in effect Ferrari's fuck-up academy. Wow. Vettel has a lot to learn. <laughs> Williams! You know it's getting bad when the only way for Williams to score any points this year is to have a three-lap head start. And even then, Kvitsa would finish 12th. This is embarrassing. What should we do? I think we should all just look away whenever they come on the screen. Just like, as, as a nation, every time Williams goes by, just like, you know, put teletext on. <laughs> I wanted to hold on to the dream, but I'm going to say it. They need to get rid of Kvitsa. He's, he's not good. I mean, the car's shit, but Russell is balefully trying to hold on to it. And Kubica's just so slow. The thing is, they need to get rid of Kubica and everybody else involved in the team. And so it's just George Russell with Patrick Head shouting at him to go faster. <laughs> Running. <laughs> yeah, it's right around the track. Let's face it, it'd be faster than the current car. All of which brings us to the standings with Terry Saunders. There was a really odd moment in the commentary on the Sky commentary at the Grand Prix where Martin Brundle suddenly said I know why they say box, box, box for a pit stop and David Cross says why and he goes well when I was at Nürburgring I was in a bedroom and I, there was a, and I looked around and there was a poster on the wall with the with box in German and it's like box and shut box and stop box and stop is German for pit stop and that's why they say box, box, box and then he went, I'll tell you the story later. And it's like, hang on, he's in a bedroom looking at a poster. So my imagination runs riot. And I think, do you know what? I get the impression that Martin Brundle, bit of the big I am, he's got a weekend away from the missus. You know, he's got chatting to someone who works in the kind of cafeteria at the Nürburgring. And, you know, maybe he's got lucky. <laughs> and he's pulled her, he's gone back to her room. And he's thinking, oh, do you know what? I'm enjoying myself here, maybe a bit too much. I need to distract myself, so I'm going to look around the room to see what I can focus on to not, let's face it, ejaculate. <laughs> so I thought... Not go for an unsafe, uh, unsafe release. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, I bury me here, what would Martin Brundle focus on on each of the driver's bedrooms <laughs> when he's trying to delay sex? So, in first place in the standings, Lewis Hamilton, who has a large poster of Lewis Hamilton in his room. That's weird. Second place is Valtteri Bottas, who just has motivational posters everywhere. You can do this, Valtteri. Third place is a diary left open, so you can read what Vettel thinks of him. It's Sebastian Vettel. Fourth place, just stiff socks everywhere. That's Verstappen. Fifth place is Leclerc. His room is scarily tidy. Like, scary. There's not even dust. Sixth place is... Uh, Martin's on his own having a wank because Gasly's late. Because <laughs> he hasn't turned up because he's slow. Funny, great. Seventh place is that weird poster of Carlos Sainz and his mum. Did you see that? Yeah. He put this thing up for Mother's Day of like, here's my mum. And it was like a picture of them both like naked from the waist up hugging each other. Very strange. Eighth place, Ricardo, racing boots everywhere. <laughs> Don't drink out of those if you're there. Ninth place, is that a glory hole? It's Kevin Magnussen. <laughs> 10th place, lots of open packets of condoms in the room, but they all look brand new. It's Sergio Perez. He can save rubber. 
11th place, it's an empty room with a bin and a towel. It's Kimi Raikkonen. 12th place, one corner of the room's on fire. It's Lando Norris. 13th place, I wouldn't go there. Hulkenberg's never made it to first base. Kvyat was done very quickly, so there's no need to look at anything because he's a bit of a torpedo. Alexander Albon's got a Miley Cyrus poster because I couldn't think of anything. And in 16th place, why is there an envelope of money on the mantelpiece? It's Lance Stroll, paid for by his dad. And in 17th place, just holes in the wall everywhere where Grosjean just bashes into things. Brilliant. Okay, and the constructors. And I thought, what would Rich Energy say about each team if they had a beef with them on Twitter? So, in first place, uh, silver arrows, we appropriate old car colours here. Uh. Second place, Ferrari, never heard of them, they're shit. <laughs> Third place, we've been rebadging our drinks for ages. That's a joke about Red Bull Tag Heuer, but actually, which I know was last year. I know, I know, Phil. Fourth place, we'd get a podium by Barcelona. Oh, they're referencing our T-shirt. You can still buy it. Fifth place, we were going to steal their logo, but we didn't because it's shit. That's Renault. Pink is gay is what they say about Racing Point. If you're wanting not real Red Bull with Russian money, then come to us instead. It's a jive on Toro Rosso. Just great. That's Haas, obviously. We'll be sponsoring them next year when Haas realised we got nothing. That's Alfa Romeo. And fuck Williams, who turned us down. Because they did. Williams were going to have rich energy, and the one good decision they made in the last 10 years was turning them down. And that's the standings. And now it's time for the single greatest feature on the show at the moment. It's the fact off. It's Phil versus Terry in a battle of wits and facts. Three rounds, the best fact about Canada wins, and I am the judge, Judy, and executioner. Let battle commence, and I choose Terry. Okay, my first fact about Canada is... There's an area in the Hudson Bay region that has less gravity than the rest of the planet. How does that work? It was there was no citation, but I. Uh, <laughs> so so there's an area in the Hudson Bay that is made of lies. Don't know. It's a fact. Okay, my fact. In the 17th century, Montreal was the beaver capital of the world. because beaver fur was very popular <laughs> and they exported a lot of it. How, so what, what, what did the beavers do there in Montreal? They would die and be skinned and have their fur sent to Europe where the French all loved a bit of beaver fur. Terry's fact is clearly citation needed and I believe Phil knows a lot about other people's interest in beavers so Phil gets this one. Get in! Round two, Phil. My fact is that the world's first search engine was created in Montreal in 1990. It was called Archie. You probably haven't heard of it. I mean, I'm, I'm, that, that's a little bit before my time, chap, if, if, if I'm honest. How, how did Archie work? What was the deal with that? It was like uh, an early version of Google slash AltaVista. The official phone number for Canada is 1-800-O-CANADA. Is that actually true? Yes. We can dial it if you want, but we need to redial it from America. I presume this is an American fact. Okay, so I, I, I don't really need... I'm, I'm sorry, Phil, but Terry went. In your face. Round three. Terry, Ooh, begin. Okay, okay, okay. 
It is against Canadian law to have comics that depict criminal acts. Explain. In a comic in Canada, it's against the law if they depict a criminal act. So if you did like a comic strip, say like, what's the Viking one? Asterix. So if he, I don't know, murdered someone in a comic strip, yeah. that would be illegal in Canada. What do the bad guys do in those comic strips? Like if, 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 if Marvel did a thing and like a, a, the baddie murdered someone. They just like slight them. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Oh, what's all that about? Phil. My fact is that the uh, Canadian Grand Prix weekend is the busiest of the year, according to Montreal's prostitutes. This is according to a report by CBC, and apparently the clientele are usually slightly rougher than normal. The winner is Phil with yes! all of his hookers. I'm bringing it back. I'm doing what everyone hopes Ferrari will do this season. After a terrible start, bring it back and make it exciting. The uh, listeners can't see this, but I've just moved the number one place from Phil's beer mat and I've moved it to my place because I think I should have won that. I've been robbed. Remember that we can only supply fact-offs because of the unique way this podcast is funded by alcohol. So buy a surround of beers at ff1s.com slash pint pint pint. And now it's time for the State of F1 with Terry Saunders. When Sebastian Vettel got his penalty in Canada, he immediately took to the radio to moan and give a diatribe about how he'd been wronged and this was the worst injustice since Nelson Mandela. Then about 20 minutes later, they cut again to Sebastian's radio and he's still going on. It's easy to imagine this was an unbroken stream of complaints that covered everything from his view of the stewards to how the team should hang his overalls up to dry. I mean, thanks for doing it, but if you're not going to stretch it out, it won't dry and it will start to smell. And whilst we're on the subject, I buy my own milk so I shouldn't have to mark it. You've got your own fridge, but whenever I'm going to make a cup of tea, there's no milk left. Add this to Lewis moaning about his tyres throughout the Monaco Grand Prix and we have an epidemic of learning about the drivers and the fact that they're all moaning wankers. I watched most of the 1998 Japanese Grand Prix on YouTube the other day. I've got an exciting life. It's mental. Schumacher stalls at the start and all you see is his head shaking. We can't hear him go, this is your fault, or tell Charlie. What about that epic Monaco quali lap by Senna? That'd be ruined if all the way around he's moaning about tax codes. And then there's the Indy 500. They've got radio, but it's short, snappy bits and terrible sound quality. It sounds like they're fighter pilots in a war zone. You've got a bogey on your tail, over. McLaren's are melting at four o'clock. The drivers there don't whine, Alonso aside. But in, in F1, any pinch or punch brings out an immediately, oh, did you see what he did? But don't worry, I have a solution. Ban radio. We thought we wanted it, we were wrong. A while ago, drivers' personalities were hidden behind bland corporate PR. We thought we wanted to find out more about them as people, but actually, they're really boring. Or, even better, let them have car-to-car radio, but not across the whole grid, just do it by Bluetooth. You can only talk with the cars really near to you. Their steering wheel screens are basically little Android devices. A thing can pop up and it says, Grosjean wants to talk to you, and you can go, yes or no, and maybe like share a picture, do a little FaceTime thing. It's great, that's what we need. We need that and nothing else, because I hate hearing from these people. That's it from us. It's goodbye to Phil Tromans. 
Goodbye, everyone. We haven't had time to talk about how Alex once uh, reprogrammed my Waze navigation with his own voice so that all the directions I got for several months afterwards were him talking in silly voices. In case you've got Waze, you can reprogram it yourself. It's great. Do it. It's more fun when you reprogram someone else's, though. And it's goodbye to Terry Saunders. We haven't had time to talk about Ron Dennis. He's done nothing interesting, but we haven't mentioned him for a while, so I thought, I wonder how he's doing. What is he doing now? He must be doing something. He's Ron Dennis. Everything in his world is entirely perfect, which is why we're not part of it. We are not to know of him, and he is not to know of us. But I suspect with Ron Dennis, the achievement of perfection is not the goal. It's the process of trying to get perfection. I suspect if Ron Dennis found perfection, he'd be like, well, what's the point of anything? Maybe he's been raptured into perfection. We or they will be back in a fortnight to discuss the French Grand Prix in That There France. In the meantime, check out the Facebook page, facebook.com slash for F1's sake, and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at for F1's sake. Terry. So if you want to buy stuff, you can go to ff1s.com forward slash shop, shop, shop. But the second S is a dollar sign and all the O's are zeros. <laughs> Thanks for listening and they will see you in a fortnight. I have been Alex Goy. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Thank you, Alex. You're very welcome. Thank you for the beer. Podcast Network.